Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Today we're going to continue on the theme that we have began teaching last week about the dangers of the hardened heart. The dangers of the hardened heart. Our foundational scriptures are taken from Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. And I'm going to read both the New King James Version and from the New Living Translation. Let's read first the New King James Version. It says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The New Living Translation says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Or we can say it this way, our hearts determines the direction that our life would go. And that includes our finances, our marriage, our relationships. They are all determined by the state and the condition of our hearts. Now here is a brief recap on some of the highlights that we have taught last Sunday. One of the first things that we have explained or defined is about the heart of man. What is the heart? When the Bible speaks of the heart, what is he really speaking about? And we define the heart as the life-giving force of the human being. The heart is God's communication center with his man. In other words, this is where God and man meet in the spirit and they fellowship together in the spirit. Remember that John 4:24 says that God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit and he communicates with us spirit to spirit. So when the Bible speaks about the heart of man, is speaking about the spirit of man, where we meet with God, we fellowship with him, we communicate with him in the spirit. Our born-again spirit serves as the seat or the resting place of God's abiding presence. This is where God dwells. He does not live within our mind he doesn't live or dwell within our bodies, but he dwells within our spirits. The Bible says that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts, or another word for heart is spirit, which is given unto us by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. So the love of God has been poured into our brand new hearts that we receive from God by the Holy Spirit. 
So when we received Christ as Lord, we mentioned last week, we were born again by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And through the new birth, God gave us a brand new heart, a spiritual heart, in which He could place His Spirit within our brand new heart. He removed, the Bible says, the evil stony heart that was prone to sin and rebellion and placed within us a brand new heart that is pure, that is sensitive to his way of doing things. And so it's important for us to know ourselves as brand new creations in the spirit. And that is where God dwells within. It is this heart that Proverbs 4.23 speaks about to keep this heart with all diligence because out of this heart that we receive from God, our spiritual heart, flow the issues or the forces of life. So in explaining what the heart is, now we're going to explain, explain what the hardened heart is. What does the Bible call a hardened heart? A hardened heart is a heart that has lost its tenderness or sensitivity towards God and towards man. In other words, it has become insensitive both towards God and towards people. It is the state of someone who has become dull or void of compassion toward others. In other words, he doesn't care. It's a person who has become selfish, angry, bitter, and unforgiving. And when that happens to the spirit, to the heart that we receive, we are not able to perceive spiritual things. In other words, we lose spiritual sensitivity. Just as your physical body has senses, five physical senses, and with these five physical senses, we are enabled to live and to work and function in this physical realm. Even so, our spirit has spiritual senses. And through these spiritual senses, we are enabled to function and live and walk in the spirit. When the heart is hardened, we lose this spiritual sensitivity and we become unresponsive towards God and unresponsive towards the needs of men and women. So we ended last week with these words, that the message that God wanted to communicate to us was, we must never allow our hearts to grow hard and indifferent towards God or people, all kinds of people, regardless of how we are treated in life. You know, it doesn't take effort for our hearts to grow hard and callous. All we need to do is just live in this evil world. That is why we have to keep a close watch over our hearts. Life in general, adverse circumstances, pain, and betrayal can turn us into hard-hearted, cynical people. Life has a way of trying to mold us 
into becoming bitter and unforgiving if we allow it to do so. If, I say if, we allow it to do so. Therefore, that is why the Bible often, both in the Old and in the New Covenants, are the scriptures are admonishing us to constantly keep a close watch over the state of our hearts by continually focusing on the Lord and on His love and on His kindness and goodness rather than focusing on ourselves. You see, if you focus on yourself, what they said about you, what they've done about you, if you focus on the evil, that is done to you, your heart will grow hard naturally. But if you choose to focus on God, on His goodness, on His word, on His faithfulness, you will be able to maintain the tenderness of your heart. You know, we have examples of people who, because of painful experiences, have become mistrustful, angry, uh, sometimes cynical and unforgiving because they have chosen to focus on the wrong things in life. And that is what I want to stress in this lesson. It matters what you focus on. It matters on who you focus your attention on. If we choose to focus on ourselves and what happened to us and our situations and our circumstances, what they say to us, what they did, there is only one outcome, and that is a heart that will grow hard and callous and cynical and unforgiving. However, if we choose to focus on the Lord Jesus, as the Bible instructs us to, and His kindness to us, we will be able to overcome the temptation of growing bitter and hard and unforgiving. Let me give you a a wonderful example from the Bible, uh, the example of Joseph. You know the story of Joseph. For me, this is one of the most admirable figures in the Old Covenant. I, I admire this young man, and I'll tell you why. Joseph, for example, he suffered so much at the hands of his own brothers. His own flesh and blood betrayed him sold him into slavery. Later on, he was falsely accused by his master's wife who wanted to sleep with him. And then she had him thrown into prison. But in all of his sufferings and unjust treatment by people, he kept his focus on God and on his dreams. He refused, listen to this, he refused to harden his heart. He refused to seek revenge on those who had caused him so much pain and suffering. He rather chose to maintain an attitude of faith and reliance in God. What a lesson to learn from this young... He was only a youngster, 16, barely 17 years of age, when he was sold by his brethren uh, to the Ishmaelites. You know, imagine... This young man had no Bible. He had no parents around. He was in a foreign country all by himself. He had no fellowship with other people who believed like he believed. 
Isn't that amazing? I mean, he had no one to talk to, no one to fellowship with. No one could understand him coming from a foreign country, from a different culture. All he had was his faith and his reliance on God and on his dreams. And of course, the upbringing he received from his parents' house. And that was even cut short. And yet, he maintained his integrity. This is an example that we ought to follow. That no matter how hard you had it in life, no matter of the circumstances you may find yourself in, no matter what, who said or what they said to you, it's important that you let it go and you keep your focus on God and on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for you and how much he has suffered for you and how he loves you and how patient he is with you. And when we keep our focus on the Lord, we will be drawn towards Christ-likeness and maintain the tenderness of our heart. That is the secret of keeping a tender heart. But now, Joseph's descendants, for instance, the children of Israel, were a different breed of people altogether. And you know their story. Anytime they faced some sort of challenge in the desert, they became ungrateful, they were murmurous, rebellious, and hard-hearted. So different from the forefather. They became such people because they chose. You see, it's a choice. We have a choice. We don't have to give in to bitterness. We don't have to give in to anger. We don't have to give in to, to sin. We don't have to give in to unforgiveness. It is a choice that we make. They chose to focus on themselves and what they wanted, how they felt, than rather focus on the faithfulness of God. And let me say this. Selfishness is a byproduct of a hardened heart. Selfishness, self-centeredness. And all you think about is you and yourself and what you're going through, how you feel and what you want and what you don't like. Now listen to what God said about that generation. We read this in, um, in Hebrews chapter 3, beginning with verse 7. God is speaking and he says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, they tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. What generation is God referring to here? He says it was the generation that always 
went astray in their heart. Notice the phrase, in their heart. It was the heart that led them astray. And that is why we read in Proverbs 4.23 in the New Living Translation, it says, it is your heart that determines the direction of your life. The problem is not on the outside of us. It's always on the inside. Trying to fix the outside without adjusting our attitude or fixing the inside is a futile exercise. And you know, so many people blame other people, blame other things. It's always somebody else's fault for what they're going through or why they're suffering. No, it's my spouse, it's my husband, it's my wife, it's the government, it's the economy, it's the circumstances. But the root problem is never on the outside, my brother, my sister, it's always on the inside. And it takes some adjustments on the inside and sometimes not major adjustments, just a little shift in our attitude can change the whole atmosphere within and without us. So these folks, it was the heart that led them astray. It was the hardened hearts. They allowed the hearts to be hardened because they kept focusing on themselves and what they wanted and what they thought and what they liked and what they didn't like. And as a result of that, they grew to be hard and callous. They became unresponsive to God. You see... And that is the reason they were prevented from entering into their promised land because their hearts were hardened. The same thing can happen to us today and be prevented from entering into God's best, into our promised land, if we allow our hearts to be hardened. And this is the reason why the word exhorts us over and over again and in Hebrews 3, verse 10, it says, Beware, brethren. Be careful. Now, this is a serious admonition here. When the Spirit says, Beware, we need to beware. And we need to pay attention. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Notice that a hardened heart is also called an evil heart of unbelief. And that kind of heart will always cause you to go astray. It says they d it departs from the living God. And then it goes on to say, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It is for this purpose that we are admonished to do what? To exhort one another daily while it is called today. The word exhort means to urge, like I'm urging you today. You don't have to be a preacher to do that. You can encourage one another. You can urge one another. Husband and wives ought to do that. Advise. The word exhort means to caution earnestly, admonish urgently. Another definition means that you give urgent advice or recommendations or even warnings. Amen? Are you hearing me? 
And let me say this, part of our Christian responsibility is to look out for one another. Remember what Cain said to God, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you were. We are our brothers. We are to look out for each other. That's what it says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, coming together and talking about things and sharing the word of God and exhorting one another and encouraging one another and admonishing one another. That's what the Christian community is supposed to do. As is the, he says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Let me say this. It is so important that we surround ourselves or we have people in our lives who truly care about us. Who care. C-A-R-E. They care. They love us. They look out for us. They admonish us. They advise us. People who love us enough to tell us the truth in love. They won't refrain from telling us the truth and they do it in such a way that it comes with love and gentleness, not critical or judgmental attitude, but a loving attitude. And you know what? We don't need many of those. One, maximum, two people, one or two. But they care for you. They love you. They watch out for you. And that is what pastors particularly are to do, but not just is not just for pastor, it is for, for one another. Each one of us has a responsibility from God to look out for one another. Amen? And you know what keeps people from experiencing today the blessing of God is none other than a heart and heart of unbelief. Amen? And I did say it this morning in church that Many, many within the church, within the household of God today have heart problems. I'm not talking about physical heart problems. I'm talking about spiritual heart problems. And we need spiritual physicians who can diagnose the problem and give us sound advice and wisdom. Just like you go to a physical doctor, he examines you, he checks you, your heart, your blood pressure, and everything else in your body and he says well the reason why you're having the symptoms is because of this and they give you the cause and they medicate you and then uh, prescribe to you some form of medication i believe we need spiritual doctors as well who can discern things in our lives who pray for us who lift us up in the lord we can go to them and say, look, I've got this problem. And, and you know, the problem might not be the problem. Because I believe that most problems have a root cause. And the root cause is in the spiritual and the soulish realm rather than the physical. And so they need to diagnose. Because they have wisdom. Because they know the word of God. And they can advise us 
on what to do and admonish us. And so we are able to deal with the situation effectively. Amen? So, in coming back to keeping our attention and our focus on the Lord rather than on the problem or the evil or the wrong that was done to us, the scripture admonishes us in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 1 through 3, gives us a way out of the temptation of hardening our hearts. And he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance or patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus. Here's the key. Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Here is the answer to maintaining a soft, pliable, humble, sensitive heart. Consider him, who's him? Jesus, who endured such hostility and hatred from sinners against himself. We are to focus on the Lord and what he suffered on our behalf, not on how we feel and what we like and what's comfortable for us. We are to consider his love and his goodness toward us and become more and more thankful, more forgiving, more loving, and more Christ-like. Amen? See, when you focus on him, you become more like him. When you focus on yourself and on the evil around you, your heart grows hard and hardened, cynical, mistrustful, suspicious. Becoming more Christ-like is the key to enjoying life as God has it. I have come, Jesus said, why? That you may have life and even more abundantly. So the only way we will be able to walk free from sin, overcoming temptation, keeping our hearts pure, undefiled, is to continually and daily keep our focus on Jesus and Him alone. And that's why Hebrews admonishes us to look to him who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. The way we look to Jesus, folks, is by looking at the word, because he is the word of God. And this is, there's a powerful exhortation for believers also in Paul's epistle to the Colossians. Basically, he's saying to them the same thing. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Another translation says, Think only about what is up there, not what is here on the earth. The New King James says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Well, let me ask you the question, what is above? 
The love of God is above. Forgiveness comes from above, not from beneath. The word of God is from above. Christ is from above. The spirit of God is from above. Focus on that. Kindness is from above. Gentleness is from above. Peace is from above. The word of God says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. That means on things that are above. Amen. So more grace is given to whom? To the humble. Who are the humble? Let me give you a brief definition of the humble. What does it mean to be a humble person? It means that you continually look to the Lord because you know that you cannot do anything without Him. That's what it means. You're relying daily, constantly on His grace to enable you to live life as He desires. The humble are the ones who gaze on Jesus through the eyes of faith and rely on him for grace and strength as they acknowledge their own helplessness and weakness in their own flesh. Amen. Simple definition. So when the enemy comes against us with fury or when the circumstances of life assail us, we only have to do one thing. We simply gaze upon Jesus in that hour who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, and he gives us the grace. He gives more grace to the humble, enabling us to overcome the temptation to harden our hearts. And Paul learned this valuable lesson, folks, after a long struggle in prayer, wrestling with God, praying and asking him three times to remove the hardships and the persecutions he was facing in every city he went, they persecuted him. They really drilled him and, and attacked him and, and verbally abused him everywhere he went to preach. So he wrestled in prayer, asking God, Lord, please remove this, this suffering, this angel of Satan that, that is sent to harass me and to stop me. I ask that you remove him from my life. And you know what God did? God denied his request and said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. It's enough for you, Paul, to overcome everything the devil throws at you. In other words, he's saying to him, look, Paul, I'm not going to remove this, but I've given you my grace. Look to my grace because my grace is able to enable you to overcome all of these things that the enemy is throwing against you. I've given you the antidote. I've given you the weapons. Use them and overcome. And that is how God trains us. He does not remove the circumstances. He does not remove the evil. He does not remove the horrible people from our lives. And it's wrong to pray for God to take them away. But he 
points us to his grace and he said, my grace is enough for you. Learn to rely on my grace. And when you do that, you can overcome any situation and any evil person that wants to harm you. Are we getting it? Are we getting it? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God pointed Paul to his grace. Now listen, listen to Paul's response. Therefore, most gladly, he says, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of of Christ may rest upon me. And then he goes on to say, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I look to the grace of God and I become strong. Blessed is the person who receives this revelation on the grace of God. And grace is given to those who are humble. His entire attitude, that is Paul's attitude, toward these things changed completely. He learned to rely on the grace of God to keep his heart pure undefiled by the hatred and the wickedness of his own country fellow men. And if he did it, I've got good news for you and me. We can also do it as well because it is the same grace that is available to us today as it was for Paul. He didn't receive any more grace than what we are receiving. God gives grace to the humble. So the key is to become more humble before God. Continually look to the Lord. Lord, I rely on your grace. I rely on your strength. I cannot do this on my own. And you know, most of us are not facing such fierce challenges that Paul faced in his day. But we are facing other demons today. The flesh with its pulls and desires the business and the demands of modern living, the deceitfulness of riches, Jesus said, the desire for other things, they pulling us in all directions and they have one aim and that is to harden our hearts and distract us from loving God and loving people and seeking God with all of our hearts. Let us not allow this world or the devil And its value system to mold us into the kind of people that grieve the heart of God. But let us allow his all-sufficient grace to make us more Christ-like as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of God our Savior. And remember, it's all about choices. It's all about decisions in our lives. Decisions can affect your life either to the blessing bring you into the land of promise or your choices can take you out of God's blessing and it's not God's fault life is all about choices that's why Joshua said to Israel many years ago choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, he said, he made his choice. 
As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can we say the same thing today and say we will choose to serve the Lord? We will not harden our hearts. We will not allow people. We will not allow evil. We will not allow the wrong that was done to us. We will not allow offenses to harden our hearts and to cause us to depart from the living God and from the people that God connected us to and from the people that God ordained for us to walk with. I can tell you story after story of people that we have walked with, we have sat down, had wonderful times and meals for years. But there came a time when they have allowed either my weaknesses or my wife's shortcomings or somebody else's or didn't like the the, 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 the style of my leadership. They have allowed that little offense to creep in. And that little offense took root and began to cause them to depart. Depart from the people that God put them to walk with. And I could sense it in my heart, but there was nothing I could do about it. I could pray, I could warn but, you know, ultimately people have a choice. And, and, and in one particular instance, I could truly sense in the spirit a distance. You know, you feel that distance in the spirit, especially if you walk with someone for years and years and you know them, you're praying for them, you, 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 you fellowship with them. When there is that little offense creeping in, you can sense the distance that is coming in the spirit. And unless that is acknowledged and dealt with, it will, it will cause to go our separate ways. That's why divorces take place. Husbands and wives, they pick up offense and they harbor unforgiveness and anger and they allow it to fest. And it takes root in the heart and it defiles and pollutes the relationship and causes it to break. All about selfishness. That's why the Bible has so many warnings, especially the New Testament says, beware, don't allow your heart to become offended, to be hardened. Do not let your anger, don't go to bed angry. Forgive, release, love, be gentle, be kind to one another, tender hearted. We have to be watchful. That is why Proverbs says, keep a close watch over your heart. And we need those people around us to encourage us, to exhort us, to admonish us, not to allow our hearts to grow hard. Amen. So let's focus on the one who saved us, who washed us with his own blood, the one who redeemed us from the power of darkness. Just think of how much he suffered, what he went through. And he continued to love and to forgive. And when we do that, when we keep focusing on him, we become more like him, more Christ-like. And that is the key to maintaining the softness, the tenderness of our hearts. These are real issues, folks. And that's why I said we have many in the church of God today that have heart problems. 
And you know, you, 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 unless you, and, and the, the tragedy is that most, most of us who have a heart and heart in one way or another do not even realize it. Do not even acknowledge it. And you, when you don't acknowledge something, how are, you gonna, how are you gonna be delivered from it? Amen? Are you with me? So this is not a message to condemn us. This is a message that comes as a prophetic warning for us to keep a close watch over what goes on inside because what goes on inside ultimately will bring blessing or it will defile us. We shouldn't harbor unforgiveness. Some of us, you know, have grown up in a home where uh, father wasn't there, you know, mother wasn't there sometimes, you know, the, on drugs, on alcohol. And we grow up and we, we become bitter and unforgiving. You know what someone said about unforgiveness is like drinking poison and thinking it's going to hurt the other person. No, it's not going to hurt. You are hurting yourself. Therefore, we need to come to that place where we forgive. We let all offenses go. None of us is perfect. And you know, just living life, we're going to get hurt. People are imperfect. There's no one who is perfect. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to say the wrong thing sometimes. And, 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 and you're going to get hurt. Or you're going to do something. Gonna, but we have to let it go. Let it go. Release it. Forgive. 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 And continue to look to Jesus and be kind. Don't do what others do to you. Do what Jesus would do with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get something out of this lesson today? Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, cut my, my message here. And we're going to pick up because this is a vast subject. We're going to continue on the same subject next Sunday. And I'll be speaking to you from Cyprus. But let's pray now. And um, if there are any prayer requests afterwards, we will, we will pray for you. I know I have one that I need to lift up to the Lord with you in agreement. So, Father, we thank you for your precious word today. We thank you for admonishing us, for exhorting us to keep a close watch, to guard our hearts with all diligence. For out of our hearts, your word says, Lord, flow the springs or the issues, the forces of life. Help us, O Lord, to maintain a tender, a pliable, a sensitive heart towards you and towards others. And to remember that it's all about people. You care for people. You love people. Teach us how to be our brother's keeper, our sister's keepers to admonish one another, to exhort one another, to look out for one another, to pray for one another so that our hearts would not grow cold and hard and callous. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.